Now, broadcasting on Radio Star Worldwide, it's time for Dr. Rademacher's Prescription for Transformation. Let's tap into your own authentic genius and live the life you desire. Join Dr. Rademacher for an enlightened conversation about our brain intelligence, our body intelligence, and our energy intelligence. And now, here's your host, Dr. Bart Rademacher. Welcome, welcome. I'm Dr. Bart Rademacher, uh, your host today for Prescription for Your Transformation, hashtag real people, hashtag real conversations. And as I always just like to start off the conversation is that, you know, we do live in an intelligent universe. You know, things are not just happening by random. But oftentimes it does seem like that. And like I like to liken it as, you know, do you want to be that accidental tourist in your own life that kind of bumps into the great things and the adventures and the magic? Or do you want to be that disciplined tour guide that really knows what they're doing and living their life by or living your life by your design? And so it's really about what you don't know that you don't know. And that's the big challenge because truly there's so much, so many things that we really want to know about our, our world that we just don't know that we don't know that it's there. And so the key here and the reason for this whole platform is to bring people, delightful people, like today is no different than any of those other days, you know, Rhonda, Rhonda Smith, you know, and her wisdom, her experience, her life experiences that's brought her to her where she is today. And again, not by random. And so sharing that authenticity that she has and what she's experienced and then giving that gift to you with her voice so that you can make some changes in your life if they, if they seem appropriate. They may not seem appropriate for you. And that's the great thing about the platform that we use because you're not going to like everything. You're not going to agree with everything. But just the fact that you get exposed to it allows you to find more choices in your life. And so, again, it's really about bringing those new voices. And so for today, I want to welcome Rhonda Smith. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. And I really love your title. Your title is that you're a lifestyle architect and success coach. And at some time in your life, you, you had these incredible experiences that have brought you to where you are today. And so I want to invite you, just share with us what that story is. Well, my story as many as, as others is very deep and it's a story of finding ourselves by going down the rabbit hole. Just in my case, I had to become the whole to actually figure it all out and to find my purpose. Um, in, I'm just gonna do this kind of quickly, but in 2009, I found myself working for a, a large credit union as an underwriter. Um, my, my background had always been in banking and sales and I lost my job. And I was in this, like many others, and I was in this situation where I had incredible amounts of debt because I was living way above my means with, with all of this stuff, copious amounts of stuff to try and make myself happy and to live my life. And when the money ran out, I was devastated so um, it's very much in my nature to to go to some type of addiction, whether it was shopping or or relationships or whatever. And this time, I made a really disastrous choice, which ended up ended up being like one of the best things that ever happened to me. But I started I started using meth, and I became a junkie <laughs> for about four and a half years. And I say that with a little bit of laugh because there's a lot of vulnerability and visibility in that sentence. And for me to be able to publicly say that. It just shows you amount, the amounts of work I've done on this. So in that time, I, 
I kind of really lost myself. Not really, I don't think I really ever even knew who I was before that anyway. And my life ended up crashing down. I tried to kill myself. Um, really disastrous. Um, gained a ton of weight just because that's what happens when you're a long-term drug user and was about a moment away from being homeless. Now I could have always come home to my family, but I chose to stay out and, and to be miserable. So never having a connection to source or to the universe, I screamed into a mirror one night um, for God to help me. And I didn't know what that meant or if it would even work. And the next morning I woke up with this knowing of oneness and I threw my drugs in a garbage can in a gas station and I drove home to my family. And strangely enough, that was three years ago next month. Wow. Yeah. So um, from then I was all driven to have purpose and to be good and to do what was good in my life. I'd never, ever had passion for purpose. I was always about the most money I could make and the stuff I could have to impress other people, to live all those things just like most people do. And I didn't finish college, so I didn't really have a lot of resources, and I had no idea, no idea what to do to help myself. So first, I started removing toxins and chemicals from my life. I became a vegetarian. I started working out. I lost a ton of weight, got back down to a healthy weight, and really became more conscious with food. And then it was really time for me to figure out what I wanted to do with my life, and I came across this awesome community, which I'm going to plug. It's called OneLifeFullyLived.org. It's a nonprofit that helps people realize their dreams. And it doesn't matter if you are starting your life over like I was at the age of 38, or if you're like hugely successful and you just want to keep up in your game. Um, this community is incredible. And I went to their first conference. It was $25 to go. I had to borrow the money to go. And it changed my life. I had never heard of people talk about living legendary lives and living in this way. And my, my journey began and I spent 10 months working for One Life trying to figure out what I was, what it was I wanted to do. And I one day just finally woke up and knew I wanted to be a coach. I kind of always been a coach anyway. But so I joined with like very little money in the bank and a job that really couldn't pay for it. I joined a very expensive international coaching program and in four days manifested the money to be able to pay for it. And my journey of being becoming a coach began. And it was really challenging for me because I had had this really gnarly past with addiction of all kinds, and I wanted to help people, but what I, what I saw everyone else was doing was like, oh, you want to live this great life, and you want to have this great business, and that dark part of everything was kind of being avoided and, and not really looked at. So um, I finally stepped into the fact that I'm here to help people work through those feelings in the dark. And my past, although I am a business coach and I do coach people on how to do business, um, my past wasn't there of suicide, depression, addiction, and all those things for me to just coach people on how to open a business or how to start a business. So, yeah. So my journey began. I'm there. And then I decided I wanted more. I wanted to go deep, a little bit more deep spiritually. I really wanted to find it out. So, I had known about plant medicine for a long time and working with shamans and the opportunity finally arose. And then that's what I've been doing like the last eight months and really understanding the situation our planet is in and really what's important. And it's really changed the focus of my business a lot. Wow. What an amazing story. And, you know, one of the things that gives you complete credibility as a coach particularly, you know, uh, with, you know, clients that have had similar problems that you've had is you've been there, you've done that, 
you know, and there's so many people out there in the world, you know, they're, they're well-meaning, but the challenge is they don't exactly, you know, understand what that kind of experience was that you had. And so it's a blessing. And I, and I'm so grateful actually that you, you've come out like you are today. Thank you. Me too. Me too. I'm, I'm grateful every day that this sounds crazy that I have teeth. And then I, I mean, how did that all work out for me? You know, it's, it's amazing. But yeah, I, I have this ability to, well, I have no judgment. I really can't have judgment after where I've been. And to sit with someone in any situation and, and just be able to sit in their pain with them and then help them through it. Because the only way out is through. And right. what we're taught in today with medic, with pharmaceuticals and all these things is just to numb it and avoid it. And that's my big problem with the whole new age movement is everybody just wants you to focus on the light, focus on the light, go to the positive, just be positive all the time. Well, there's all these people that are really hurting inside and there's a need to actually understand how to feel those feelings. Yeah. And I, and I do want to talk about that in a little bit. And first, I just again want to want to recognize and honor you. Um, you know, with your experience and actually something that you said, because, you know, some of our worst experiences actually can become our best experiences. And that's actually a choice. You made a choice. You made a choice. You know, we, we are actually beings that need meaning for every single event that happens in our lives. I mean, we have to give everything a meaning and whatever that meaning we give, that's becomes what our experience then is afterwards. And so the big challenge then is, you know, having a better meaning. And so I'm not going to coach you here, but just recognizing that at some point you had a certain meaning when you lost your job, but then you created a more compelling meaning of all of that. And what a wonderful gift that you now have that you can give to others. You know, one of the things that I always talk about is, you know, we are the product of all our decisions, all of our experiences, all of our insights. And as being that product, using in that marketing kind of con context is we're also that gift and for us to keep that gift inside of us and not share it with others is just a shame and so again i'm, I'm so grateful you have no idea how grateful i am that i that i get to speak to you today and share your story and and hear your insights so that if somebody's listening to this even if it's today or some other day that they have a way that they can find you or find solutions for them Absolutely. I mean, the, the, the whole power, power in was, was, I was the one that was going to change my life. And that was like the first, when I finally realized that piece that nobody was going to come in and save me. I mean, we're taught in movies and Disney and for a woman to have a man come in and complete us and save us and do all of these things. And, and that's just not realistic and we have to be whole ourselves. So really understanding that I had the power and each day I have the power to make more change in my life and to grow. And if I decide not to, then I'm going to stay where I'm at. And that's where most people are, is they're very unempowered, unempowered, I believe. So one thing I'd like to hear from you, because you, you we, we had a wonderful talk yesterday and, and you kind of brought it up just now, is that how, how many people are in so much pain? So, so share with us a little bit, you know, what's that perspective that you have? in regards to people feeling that pain? Well, I believe, my belief, my own belief is that addiction and a lot of the traumas and perversions and a lot of things that we're going through in life are symptoms of something else. And let's mm -hmm. just take addiction, for example. <clears throat> we're taught that if you drink too much and you have an issue with it, that you have to do some type of absence-based recovery. 
And that means that you'll never be able to drink again and that you need to go in and white knuckle as a term or, or, or pray or believe in your higher power and go through these steps and kind of plateau and teach yourself every time you go into a meeting, hi, I'm Rhonda, I'm a recovering alcoholic or I'm a recovering drug addict. And you're literally teaching your subconscious brain each time that that's where you're at and that's where you're gonna stay. Now, I do believe that, for example, AA is a great step to help somebody get out of that situation, but I don't think it's a place to, to stay. I believe that when we have an addiction, even shopping, like for me was probably my biggest addiction, it was because I was trying to not, I was trying to feel better, I was trying to ease something in me. And there's a wound in us, a deep wound. And it takes a lot of work and a lot of layers to it. And just because you think you healed it, don't think you have because later down the road when you're more advanced or your consciousness is higher, you're gonna hit off another layer of that wound. So really understanding like for me, I mean, I could go on and on and on about all the things I've had bad relationships. I continually date people that are unavailable because I'm a codependent. I mean, I can go on and on and on, but none of the, those were all symptoms. The wound was that I really did not know how to love myself. And yeah, I say it, and I think 98% of the population says it, but they don't really know what it means to get that level of connection with yourself and to love yourself. And we have this whole movement going on right now where all these goddesses, and I have nothing against this, this is everybody's belief. Sorry, I have my website going off somewhere. Okay, there we go. Um, and we have this belief that um, we are these feminine, these feminine goddesses and that we're looking for this masculine warrior to come in. And it's not my belief. My belief is that we all, every individual, men and women, have masculine and feminine within. And we still are viewing them as separate. Like in my program, she taught us that when we're creative, we're in the feminine. And when we're taking um, action or massive action, we're in, the, we're in the masculine. And again, that's separating the two. So when we can marry those two within us, it's called embodiment. And that is when you are fully whole. And when you are whole, then you attract a different level of life. You're living a level 10 life, and then you're gonna attract a level 10 person into your life. And together, you can each be whole and be together and share space and time and love each other, but it's not in a really needy um, and healthy way, which is kind of what we're taught. You know, I, I think you raise a very valid point and and that is this is that and, and i was going to share this with you yesterday so i'm going to share it with you now is that you know we all desire divine happiness I mean, we all do i mean there's there's no one that doesn't you know they may be completely unaware of it but we all desire divine happiness now the only way to get to that is you actually do have to resolve that what that what makes you unhappy and yeah. so without that resolution you know you're just going to continually mask you know, over the problem, the wounding, as you call it. And yes, you know what? We are wounded. And interesting, my own personal story, when um, I've done a lot of personal growth, personal development, neuro-linguistic programming, all these kinds of things, and it's extremely exciting. You get to discover who you really are. And so I went to the next level and thought, okay, you know, let me go talk to a psychologist. Because I figured, okay, I've, I've done everything in personal growth. Well, let me, now I'm stuck or I'm not going any further. So let me go somewhere else. And I understood from them that my parents were bad people. It's like, what? How can my parents be bad people? I love my parents. They're amazing human beings. I am totally blessed. I lived in five different countries and had the best of lives that you can, can imagine. You know, I've never had the kind of experiences that you've had. And, and I'm grateful for that. 
But the truth is, is that yes, in one way or another, we are wounded, not necessarily by intention, but we are wounded because as a little child, you have some sort of event, your little, your bigger brother takes something away from you, and then you make this decision that you're now being rejected and you're not good enough. And that carries forth in the rest of your life. And so what happens is that as you grow up, you then begin to reinforce that belief with all the other kinds of experiences. Again, it's like I said earlier, you place a meaning to an event, and then ultimately a lot of the times, or many times, it actually probably doesn't serve you. Well, and then you can go back even further with lineage. I've been working in my shamanic ceremonies on thousands of years of lineage of the way the women in my family have believed things about women, about being a woman is a burden. That alone doesn't empower me. So it might not even be an experience that you've experienced, but it's just a behavior that you've seen demonstrated or it's a feeling or a, the words you've heard people say. I mean, um, that's been very empowering for me to actually understand why I've always, you know, like I've never been all about woman power. You know, this is, kind of, I hate to say this, but this is kind of new for me. And to understand like the importance of really understanding and embracing the fact that I'm a woman. And that's again, that part of connecting with myself and loving myself for who I am. Yeah. No, and, and you're right. It, it, it's true that there's the masculine and there's the feminine part within us. And again, because of cultural issues or cultural programming, we're quite frankly kind of environmental programming you know, me growing up, um, I never used to see my dad. My dad was just a workaholic. I mean, he left at five o'clock in the morning and didn't come home till 11 o'clock at night. So guess what? As a young child, as a young boy, you know, I wasn't getting any of that masculine you know, influence. You know, I was just getting the feminine influence. And I think what's happened over the years is that there's a lot of confusion of what all this is. And, you know, fortunately, from one perspective, people are searching, which is great. But the problem with that, and, and kind of sort of what you just mentioned earlier, is that they kind of grasp onto something so solidly that they're not open for anything else. But what I like about what you're sharing is that, you know what, you really have to see all the different sides. And But the truth is, too, is that, you know, there is a goddess within you. And sometimes that goddess needs to show up. Yeah. Goddess you know, needs to be there, be strong. But then also then the princess, you know, needs to be there too. Well, there's also a warrior in me. Right. There's a massive warrior in me. So yeah, and, and allowing that space to come out. So wearing pretty clothes or putting on makeup or those things, like I get to embrace both sides, just like you get to decide, you know, you're comfortable as a man wearing pink, which is a great example. It just shows that you're comfortable. Maybe it's a color that's flattering to you, but yeah. <laughs> No, but you're gay. <laughs> um, but it just shows like where we are in our levels of consciousness, like what we agree. So I, I, I completely agree with that. It's also generationally, like your father working all the time and being away was part of his generation. So you suffered that. But I can see that you're way more in tune and a very conscious being, maybe because you did have some more time with your mom. Very possibly. Now, I just want to roll back just a little bit because, you know, Blade is no. jumping to pick something. <laughs> no, no, pink no. is a girl's color. Blue is what a boy's color. No. Yes, what it is. I wear blue. Okay, well, you can wear a boy's color. That's fine. Boys don't oh. wear girls' colors. Uh-huh. Mm. It's, it's, okay. it's a girl. I believe that whatever you believe is how you feel, and I'm totally okay with that. Well, see, that's awesome. 
Yeah. It is. So, so just so you understand, Lynn. <clears throat> she, so she wouldn't care if you wore a pink shirt, Bart. She wouldn't. I would like it. No, I know. Just, She'd like it because you were secure in your manhood. Yeah, I, I just want to reinforce something. I mean, the fact that I'm, you know, in touch with my feminine, right? That means I still have all my hair. Now, you've lost a lot of hair. Now, let's talk about what just happened in that dynamic. So, you guys are taught that when you don't agree, that you don't have to tell each other that you disagree, but then you pick on each other. It's a very interesting dynamic to watch amongst men because I think in some way it's a way to connect without having to really show feelings. It's very, it's often the one. That's a so good one, coach. Good. That is a good one, coach. That's a great analysis. We pick. That's what we do. We pick on each other. That's it. I think he's just been trained to show affection. Like, I had a friend, and he said, I always call my friend bro when we're together. He's like, I don't understand. Bro, bro, bro. And I'm like, well, do you know why? And he's like, no. I'm like, because you don't know how to share feeling with each other. It's uncomfortable. And you're able to, but that's, that's what I'm talking about is, allowing to go in that discomfort or dis-ease and say, I love you, brother, to each other. And I've heard, I've been in a group, in the last ceremony, I was laying, uh, we were, we're all laying around a circle and there were six men and two women and tons of different ages of men in the group. And they had broke through a level of consciousness and they're, and they're like, I love you, man. And I could hear that they were starting to be okay showing each other feeling. And it was obviously just a friendly thing, but it was the most amazing experience to sit there and listen to men share that way with each other and be okay with it. (laughs) Did they have pink shirts on? No. (laughs) No, they did not. (laughs) Well, maybe one of them did. (laughs) Okay, Okay, Bart. You knew knew that if you asked me to do something, I'd ruin it. But um, I want to say just one more thing, Bart, real quick, is the addictive thing that you're talking about. And I love when people talk about this because... I decided like a year ago, it's like addiction is anything you have to get up and do in the middle of the night because you can't be without it. You know, like, look, man, I'm addicted to everything. I told you that last week, Bart, everything, 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 you know, don't know the idea of moderation, you know, and it's a stupid saying moderation's overrated, you know, stupid saying, but whatever, you know, and I used it all the time and even creamer, coffee creamer, you know, laundry detergent. (laughs) Everything. I totally get it. I totally, totally get it. I'm totally there with you. What's the deal? Are are, are some people, what do you think, coach? Are some people like addicted to everything like me? You name it. Because I whole alcohol and drugs and the cigarette smoking and Coca-Cola and sugar and sports and all of it. Everything. You know, and I don't even try to moderate anymore. You know, (laughs) that's not good. But do you think, because Dr. Bart isn't like that. He's not. He's a really well, moderate, even keel level-headed, not addicted, overdone, doesn't do overdo anything kind of guy. Ah, he's a normal person. Right, Ooh. right. <laughs> that's right. Just kidding. That's, hey, doctor, that's what we call normal people is what we call them. They are never addicted to anything. May, may, I, may I say something before? Oh, no. <laughs> come on, man. Bart, come um, on. I do believe that Good people one. that have addiction can can learn to have healthy behavior with things. Like I used to at times drink too much to numb out or not feel my feelings. And um, that's why I keep plugging this, but that's why I started going into shamanic ceremony and doing plant medicine because literally I now, I have no problem drinking a glass of wine and literally at one glass of wine, I feel all that I want to feel from that glass of wine, if that's what I'm drinking, I can enjoy the wine and it is no longer an issue for me. I don't drink too much tea. I've eliminated coffee. It's like 
what am I addicted? I'm addicted to essential oils right now. So that is one thing that I'm, I'm trying, I'm trying to wean, but in my opinion, through the right and proper channels, there are a lot of things out there available to us that are not mainstream and not talked about a lot in society that are, can help somebody that's really has an addiction issue. What are you addicted I mean, to Dr. Bard? Anything? Well, let me ask you this question though, because <clears throat> I mean, you know, what really is, what defines an addiction? And, you know, first of all, because, I mean, you could be addicted to working out, you know, you could be addicted, you know, I mean, people love sex and some people call it they're addicted to sex. I mean, there's some things that are actually good for you. The question is, is that it's actually sort of what you said, Blade, is do you have to get up in the middle of the night to do it? I mean, is there or is there that inability to control your need, you know, when it's not suitable to have that need? And, um, and so that's really the, the real question. I mean, I like coffee. I drink a lot of it. It's, I'm not addicted to it. I love it. I love what it does for me. And so that's not necessarily an addiction unless somebody chooses to tell me that it's bad for me in their model it of the world. <laughs> in your model of the world, it's bad. You knew that okay? was coming. Right. Yeah. So maybe it's bad for you. So the question really is, I mean, understandably, when, when somebody loses that control, um, you know, from a uh, behavioral standpoint, it's actually very easy to understand. And because we have, you know, six behavioral needs, and this is a work from Tony Robbins and, and from the neuroassociative conditioning and NLP that he's worked on. And the, the six human needs are certainty, variety, that was significance, love, connection, growth, and contribution. And as soon as you start satisfying at least three of those needs, then it does become an addiction. But the real question is, you know, when does, if it does become a problem? And um, obviously, you know what, if, if you're addicted to pot, for example, I mean, if it becomes a problem, then yes, it's an addiction. Hmm. May I, may I um, say something about the six human needs? It's the same thing I was gonna mention a few minutes ago about the five love languages. For example, the book, The Five Love Languages, there's five languages that we use to define love. And what I'm really starting to understand is that's a great place to start. But when we start thinking about it on a deeper level where there is no box at all, rather than just the container that the five love languages comes in, there's how many people? Seven point some billion people on the planet. Don't you think there's like more than five love languages or six human needs? I mean, I, I think it's a great place to start and I love the work that obviously and I love listening, but when you start really going on to different thinking, and thinking about things that are coming up for you, you know, I mean, some, I know that my need for for my addiction had nothing to do with the fact that I liked to drink too much or I liked to do too many drugs. It was because I didn't know how to understand or process what I was feeling. So, again, looking at what really is the, as I call it, wound. But. No, and, and you'd be right. I mean, I, I think anything anything that we use is just actually a reference point, a piece of information. Yes. It, it all is all integrated and to say that one thing or another is is all of what we need to know is would be kind of insanely ignorant and naive into, into what's the truth but the truth is is what what we can understand we can affect change when we understand then we affect change you know the the most important thing though is that you know what this is my belief this is my model of the world is that you don't have to go into some sort of deep psychological trance to figure out what's wrong with you so that you can come through. And it's just a matter of 
you know, this desire, this this ability, if you will, to be self-aware. And, and sometimes you need a bad experience for that to happen. But also, interesting enough, um, some of the work that I'm doing um, in my integrated energy healing, I'm in, in a brilliant school out in New Mexico. It's a four-year course. There's uh, two or three, you know, accredited programs in the country, including the one from Barbara Brennan, where we really get to do this deep um, healing process. And, and it's a great process. And, you know, you talk about me being, you know, um, uh, what's the word you use, Blade? Uh, just normal. Uh, you know, <laughs> it's been a lot of it's been a lot of work um, of learning and experiencing and, and bringing up what you said is understanding, you know, what's going on within me. And what's great about it, though, is that, um, you know, some of the work that I'm looking into now is actually the, the, the indigenous wisdoms, as we like to call it. A lot of confusion about what shamanism is and you know, a lot of confusion about being good and bad and everything else. No, it's actually just wisdom. It's knowledge. It's, it's knowledge that's that's 300,000 years old. And what's interesting is that a lot of the anthropologists have looked at some of the, the, the medicine, as, as we call it, and the medicine being you know, plant medicine, which is the ayahuasca or the ibogene or whatever. And it's, it's, it's exciting because, in, in, as you shared with us earlier on, is that it allows you to start making these neurological connections in your brain that allows you to have better perceptions of what's around you. And sometimes, you know what, we just need that. Well, you know, you um, know um, my, my third ceremony, I ascended to my absolute highest self. And it was incredible. Like the level of what I experienced and understood was possible for me as a human. So for each one of us to understand what we're capable of, but actually experiencing it, feeling it, smelling it, being in it, visually, you know, the whole thing, it's really changed my drive. It's changed. Yeah. It's like, it's changed the whole game for me. It's not like what, you know, what small community of people can I affect is, what do I want, you know, the big message I came out of that ceremony was, was what kind of world do we want to create and what kind of people do we want to become? And I can literally understand that I can have that power of voice. And it's not about having fame or having people know who I am for me. It's about bringing awareness of the changes that really need to happen. So there's actually a website um, called The Grand Initiative, and it's a group of billionaires that are masterminding on ayahuasca to create global change. And it's a great website. You should definitely check it out. But you Does have to be- Grand Initiative? A Grand Initiative. You have to be an influencer, like a major influencer or a billionaire to join this group. So I keep looking, cause I'm in this incredible, incredible community of people that are, have huge success. I keep trying to find the person that can start it at our level or at that level and start creating change and bringing people to the medicine and like, I was just watching a, a an well, actually, I, know that, I know who that is. You do? Yeah. Very, you. And, uh, yeah. That's interesting. That's very interesting. Um, I was watching a, a post this morning on Facebook about how you could watch download and join this webinar to watch Elon Musk talk about how building a base on Mars would be the most incredible feat we ever, the most incredible thing we could possibly do as humans. And my thought was, oh my God, 
if Elon Musk could go to plant medicine, I can't even imagine, you know, just people like, I'm serious, but it's like us building a base on Mars. What about her planet? She is in so much trouble and the people on it are in so much trouble. And it's like, we need to focus our attention on home and all the people that are here and creating things and being more kind to our, our resources. So yeah, it, it's, it's definitely my mission. I've seen, I'm the bridge that's supposed to bring all the people I know to, to the medicine. So yeah, thank you for giving me wow. space to share this in. Well, <laughs> no, truthfully, I mean, this, this is actually also part of what this platform is, is to start bringing these voices together. And I'm happy to, you know, start a, an ongoing lab you know, specifically committed, you know, to this kind of conversation because you illustrate something very, very important. And again, you know, for anybody who's listening, I also want to be clear is that you don't have to use ayahuasca, you know, to have that clarity, to have that ability to go into the realm and discover, you know, what's going on. I mean, you know, because this is a, you know, 300,000 year old practice in a sense, I mean, it is drumming, it is chanting, it is meditation, it's all these different things. And on, on my personal level, you know, I'm actually looking to see how can I get into those realms of, of awareness? You know, how can I connect, make these new neurological connections in the brain? Because that's essentially what it is. I mean, everything that goes in our head is essentially um, just neurolo neurological sequences, neurological, you know, ex um, uh, situations, if you will. And so I'm personally looking to do it as, as without medicine and see how that can happen. But the truth is this, is that the, the wonders about shamanism, the wonders about ceremony, the wonders about plant medicine, is that there is an intelligence in, med in, in the plants. And being able to tap into that reality and then actually being able to connect, and this is maybe very esoteric for some people, but then to be able to connect with nature. And you're right, our world is in danger. But the way that we're going about it doesn't make any sense, not from the side of the industrialists, but also not on the side of these do-gooders. I mean, it's great that they're, they're having this voice, but they're not going it the right way. The right way is your way, where as, as a collective um, entity, as a collective you know, thinking you know, engine, if you will, we are, we are going to create the changes that need to happen. But it does start with, you know, getting back to nature, getting back to that indigenous wisdoms, you know, that indigenous knowledge, because it's already there. We don't have to invent anything. We don't have to create anything. You know, this is 300,000 years old. This is 300,000 years of experimentation that the indigenous tribes of the world actually have. And so what we need to do is connect with them, but also do the things that you're talking about. I com I completely agree. Uh, drumming has been a big like. Uh, there's a lot of chanting in ceremony, and I wake up a lot of mornings when I have new awareness because I'm a huge meditator. Sometimes I'll meditate for a couple of hours in the morning, and I'll wake up with like some of the chanting. And there's music I just found on the internet that's very similar to what I hear in ceremony last night. And I went into this incredible state for several hours, um, and a lot of awareness and a lot of stuff comes. I'm really big into crystals, which is really new for me. But understanding, like dropping this one, I have one in my tea right now, and understanding that the vibration is going to change my water. And that's not just us setting an intention and hoping that the molecules of the water change. <laughs> it's 
you know, there's, there's, there's really some stuff to this that we really need to start getting back to earth and nature and growing our food and, and all of those things. And quit worrying about what we drive and how big our house is. Right. (laughs) Just saying. Tell tell me a little bit about your practice. What is it that you're doing? And, and, you know, you also talk about being, being specifically a lifestyle architect. So, So, um, you know, it's I, I'm going to be transparent. It's been a little challenging for me to try and figure out exactly who I want to hit and how, because I have a lot of background. I mean, I have incredible experience with addiction and depression, but I have to be very careful about how I go about helping people through those situations. Um, you know, grief, I, I have a lot of unfortunate experience with that. I can handle divorce. I've created a business. I have a lot of successful business clients. So really understanding how do I really coach who I want to help? And the shadow work is really what lights me up. So I just created a program called the Love Cure. I think the link is somewhere in the thread. And I'd love for you to sign up for my call. Most women and men out there are looking for love and they're looking for it in all the wrong ways and all the wrong places. And you know, I, I, I have seen in the marketplace lately all of these crazy people talking about, oh, if you just say these certain lines to a man, if you text these lines to a man, it's going to activate something in his brain that's going to make him just be obsessed for you. And I was like, disgusting, totally disgusting. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like we we're not taught to be ourselves. We're taught you need to be these things or say these things. And and there's there's usually a Carl Jung is a big I'm a big fan of Carl Jung, and he talks about beneath the shadow, beneath the dark, beneath the parts of ourselves that we don't want to see lies all this glory and this incredible ability. And I believe that when our sorrow is unmasked, we find true joy. So really working through the blocks that are keeping you stuck. I mean, me thinking, okay, I have, I'm a, I shop too much and I do these things and that's what makes me think. I didn't know how to love myself and I allowed behavior and relationships and I, I didn't think I was worthy as a woman to receive this kind of love that I've wanted. So getting down to the real wound of it and then and then knowing and understanding your worth. I mean, how many people really know who they are? I mean, like we I want to dress like her, I want to look like Jessica Simpson's, I want to do, and there's nothing wrong with any of those people. I have no judgment of them. But it's like we're always trying to be someone else rather than who are we or listen to ourselves. So my program really helps people find the love within. It really teaches about how to really blend that masculine and feminine. We really work through the dark shadow of stuff to get you where you want to be. And it's not just love. It can be in business. It can be through grief. It can be, I mean, I have a client who's in science, getting out of Scientology. So there's a gamut of things, but working through the stuff that's keeping you stuck so that you can really find the true joy of life. Yeah, no, that's absolutely wonderful. And that that's just absolutely brilliant. And, you know, I just like to, um, share some insights that i recently got from an incredible human being his name is steve linder and he's got this company called strategic brain and um and really developing you know um quite incredible insights as to you know how we do what it is that we do how we actually communicate internally and one of the things that i recently learned from one of his courses was that nothing's ever going to change in your life unless your identity changes unless you're you you have an identity shift and obviously you went through a lot of those as well but i think so often is and i'm a coach as well and and so often what i work with is helping people be just simply aware of of their own identity 
and it's an interesting exercise that I actually start off, you know, every session. This is something I learned from, you know, Steve Linder as well, is that I, I get people to tell me 10 great things about them. You know, what are 10 great things about you? And it's the hardest thing. You know, it takes some, you know, endless agony just to, to mention five, let alone 10 of them. And so what's great about what I then get to do with my clients is that I get the, them to remind themselves what's great about them. And I have the same experience. I have people tell me years and years and years, oh, you're so great about this and that. And I would say, no, forget it. That's not me. Until finally, a couple of years ago, I realized, well, hang on a second. It is true. You know, it's not being arrogant. It's not being egoistical or whatever. It's just recognizing the greatness within you. Because once you can do that, because the problem that I always had, and, and I'm glad this is not what you're saying, but what people would always say, oh, gotta love yourself. You know, it says, no, you don't. You don't have to love yourself. Because what happens is that when you just really connect with who you really are, with your identity, then love will naturally just flow. Because it's just that space that recognizes, well, this, is, this is a beautiful place to be. And the nice thing about that, the wonderful thing about that, that once you start acknowledging, you know, without judgment, you know, all the awesome things in yourself and in others, and just for the record, you know, Blade, I love you, man. Oh, yay! <laughs> but no, no, here's the key. Can you say it without using the word man at the end? Oh, that's a tough one. See? No, that makes it even more special, but I can say it. I love you. Okay. No, no. You have to say, I love you. You can't say I love you. Blade, why don't you say it? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. You guys are silly. Um, if I may add in. I didn't know if you were finished. I didn't want to with you. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. I wanted to add into that. Um, so I, ha I, do this, I do a similar thing in my coaching. I make my clients do a list of 100 things that they like about themselves. And I usually give them three weeks to do it. And in this activity, I ask them to ask the people in their lives to also tell them things that are great about them if they can't do it. Because that usually helps us find purpose. That usually helps us move, move our way into purpose because they're like, you're really good at this. And you're like, oh, wow, I never really thought about that. And it's something that naturally comes to you. So, you know, maybe that's and, and that same exercise. So I completely agree with you, getting you in touch with yourself. And the other part about that is, is we have this whole mentality now, like if you don't have this awesome life and if you're not doing really big things and if you're not striving and if you don't feel good and you're not happy, then you suck pretty much right so it's totally okay not to be okay it's totally okay not to be okay it's totally day when i have down days i try and like hide them i pull back from facebook a little bit and i was like you know i'm not doing that anymore i'm not having a great day and i don't need to say hey let's just bitch and let's just complain all the time but it's okay to be human it's okay to be feeling and that's embracing that part that's why i think yesterday i just posted something about depression anxiety and suicide on the internet and I was just talking about like it's okay when to be ourselves around our people when we're not like that's the human experience and we don't always have to be perfect and, and be happy and know what we're doing it's okay to be where we're at because otherwise we just say I'm fine and we know the disaster that comes from that sentence <laughs> so you know, yeah. you know what fine means right know what you don't know what fine means well I have my own definition but you know what, what is it again? Yeah, I do, but I forgot. What is it? Freaked out, insecure, neurotic, and emotional. There you go. I like that. No, and what's what's so true, um, you know, about that is 
you know, um, <clears throat> this is a human experience. This is just being human. And interesting, in a past relationship that I used to have, it would drive me nuts, you know, when my partner says, I'm just human. Well, she used that as an excuse. Mm -hmm. And when you use it as an excuse, it just doesn't work. But then I realized that one day, well, hang on a second, we are human. This is a human experience. And just like you said, everything is okay. And one of the distinctions that I created for myself, which I was very excited about uh, last year, was sharing with people, and, and you know, a lot of people don't quite understand what it, what it means when I say this, but I, I tell them, I celebrate my, my weaknesses and my failures. I celebrate them. And for me, what that means is I'm just acknowledging and recognizing, you know, what my, my weaknesses or my failures are. Not making them bad, not being judgmental, but just realizing, well, hang on a second, here's an opportunity for me to grow. Not for me to hide, but because I'm able to celebrate it, because I'm able to acknowledge it, then I can also be in awareness, acknowledge that I can change something. But if I can't do that, then I don't know that I need to change something. Right. And and I know Blade is is waiting to say something. <laughs> you know how much can I get away with? Because Bart, what you say is yeah. right. Well, how, can, how much can I get away with? Because because failures and 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 I was thinking about that. It's like it's like I don't ever fail. I just up. <laughs> yeah. Or I win or I learn. Oh, shoot me if I have to hear that one again. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Failure is information. There's information in failing. Right. You got to keep going forward. Right. Yeah, I completely agree with you, Dr. Burke. You know, I think, um, I forget who said it, but, you know, there's no such thing as failure unless unless you don't learn. And and the one, of, one of them, Oprah, was, you know, the only failing life is if you fail to try. And, and it really is about that. And interesting enough, you know, reading Elon Musk and Demantis and all these exponential entrepreneurs, which I think is a, an awesome term. Exponential entrepreneurs. Yeah, is what they talk about is fail often, fail quickly, and fail forward. So failure is our way to learn, just like a little child that learns to walk. I mean, how many times does a child have to fall down to find and figure out how to be able to walk? But it's so, I'm sorry. Right. No, go ahead. It's spiritual bypassing, telling somebody that they can't have the feelings of failing and that they just need to look at it as a lesson and just keep moving. And I don't mean stay in it. I never mean stay in it. But give yourself a few minutes, maybe even a couple of days to like sit in your muck and yeah. say, I just failed. And what are, what are my lessons I'm learning? It? And then move forward because the only way out is through. And if you're constantly saying, okay, well, that, that was someone else's fault or that was someone else, and then we're, then we're never going to learn. But I think that's why most people are stuck is because they're afraid to fail. I'm a recovering afraid to fail person. Um, in a lot of ways, it kept me from being small or from being big in my life and keeping me small. Yeah. Yeah, no, and, and, it's, and it's true. And, and the other part really is, um, and this is what I like about what Eckhart Tolle talked about, is, um, you know, when you have certain emotions, you know, not make them wrong. Just sit in that emotion. Just be with that emotion. And it's just information. And so when you're angry or sad or frustrated, rather than being judgmental about yourself in that moment, there's a reason. <clears throat> and there's a great quote, um, you know, from Rumi about the guest house. And I can't repeat it right now, but it's, it's all about, you know, welcoming all these emotions, all these experiences 
that you know you tear up everything in your house and just realize that it's it's bringing in information so that you can learn from that and so just you know welcoming whatever emotion you have being curious about what it is and then admitting or acknowledging that you know what something needs to be healed or hurt or, or held or something like that yeah and and really understanding that uh, you know not to stay in it and people do get in that excuse phase where they're where they're constantly in the state of well i can't because this is happening or i still feel this way it's like you have to move through it you have to push yourself to move through or you need people in your life to do it um back to what you said about eckhart tolle um he lives in the fourth dimension all the time <laughs> which i do hope to achieve very soon <laughs> um but i see like I remember the first time I peeked around the corner and got to experience it. It was magical. And then I had to go lay outside in the grass for like two hours because, <laughs> because it was so overwhelming. But um, yeah, and then the more obviously I'm, I'm doing different sound healings and drumming and ceremonies with my shamans, I experience more and more of it. But the average person doesn't even know or understand the concept. They're so stuck in the third dimension of judgment and, and, and criticism and how you're valued and labels and all of the things that are keeping us really stuck as a society. I just, that's why this conversation is so important is because I hope at least one person knows that this, there's this other way of living out there that's available. So talking about that, you know, somebody listening in, how, how can they best find you? And, and what's the best way to, to reach out to you? Um, you can go to loveyourbiglife.com and um, hit my scheduler. You can call me. My phone number, I'm going to give you my phone number on the air, is 707-718-0708. Or you can email me at Rhonda at RhondaDSmith.com. Question, Bart. What, how, how do I find the fourth dimension? Well, I'm gonna let Rhonda explain that one. <laughs> well, if anybody promises you that they can lead, that you, they can lead you there, they're not being truthful to you. So I will say that first of all. Um, first of all, you have to be open to the fact that it's there. So you have awareness now that it's there. So that's the first step. Awareness is always the first step. But exposing yourself to new ways of thinking. So obviously, a, a, would you say a new earth or would be a great start? I mean, there's a ton of books out there that you can start with, but having more conscious conversations about this kind of stuff is definitely going to enlighten you. Um, this amazing little product right here, Breathe Essential Oil by doTERRA. I'm a huge fan. It helped me achieve my first level into the little peak into the fourth dimension. So natural ways. <laughs> Last two things. So Bart, so she's, she's a Charlie's angel from the seventies. I mean, she'd fit perfectly for that. Okay. That's one thing. Now two, have you seen the fourth dimension and, and have you been there or would you even know how to find it? For me? You. I've been to the fifth. Is he telling the truth? I do believe he has. We had a, a conversation, our very first conversation. I could feel I'm an empath. I think we're all empaths, but I'm very aware that I'm an empath. An empath is a person who can feel other people's feelings and feel them and feel the situation really well. So um, we had a, a probably the third or fourth sentence under our conversation, I felt a level of consciousness within him. So I do believe that he has, and he was open to indigenous conversation. Yeah, man. <laughs> You're the man. Yeah, it's, it's amazing stuff. But, but that's why like having these conversations is so important because people view shamans and there are a lot of charlatans charlatans out there that are posing as shamans so be very 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 careful about that kind of stuff um 
if anybody out there wants to find out more information, they can definitely email me and I'm happy to share some information about some places you can go. But um, yeah, um, there are lots of ways to achieve it. The, I, I still do occasionally drink coffee, Bart. I wanted to say that too, but um, I do know, I do understand the effects it has on our pineal gland and on our body. And obviously you're a doctor, so you understand these things too. I, I gave it up completely for 120 days and I was like fifth dimension meditation almost every day for for several weeks, and then I had to break down and have one, <laughs> have one because you know I'm human. I can say that there, right? That's not an excuse. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so really understanding that people just don't know that this is available to them, and they think that. And I hate to say this for anybody who likes the show, but watching American Idol and worrying about your bills and driving your big car into your big garage and stressing about your money—that's not living. And that's not a judgment, but that's that you can have other ways and other things in your life that bring you true happiness. <clears throat> well, one of the things, I mean, you're absolutely right. And I think <clears throat> most people are li living at the effect. And when we talk about cause and effect, I mean, are you a cause in your life? You know, are you making your life happen, life happening for you, or is life happening to you? And that's unfortunate. That's just a culture hypnosis that's out there. Um, the origin of that culture hypnosis, you know what? I don't know what it is, and I'm not even going to hazard a guess, of what, you know, what it is and how it's sustained. <clears throat> I just know that, you know, most people in this world are at effect, and and it's not supporting them. But that's again, you know, with with the learnings and the teachings that that you've had as well. And also looking back and at the ancients, including the Mayans, I mean, we are in a new phase in this world, in this dimension. And that is that we're raising the vibration. We're also raising the awareness. And <clears throat> when, the when the Mayans are talking about this, the end of the world as we know it, you know, most people thought, okay, that's going to be the end of the world. No, it's the end of the world as we know it. And we're going into the new phase of consciousness that is necessary <clears throat> if we're going to have sustainability in on this earth, we may not have sustainability on this earth. And, and that's not something I even want to try to predict or even talk about. But the truth is, is that there's a lot of people actively involved, including myself, you know, raising the vibration, raising the awareness, ra raising the consciousness, but also coming from that place, you know, that's the heart, you know, really, you know, uh, motivated by, <clears throat> by the emotion of, wanting to be connected and a very safe and a good place which is you know what, what we find our heart connection with people and um, i think we're losing Wanda here <laughs> she wasn't prepared man she's got a book she wants to show us. I, to... well he just he just inspired me to show something so <laughs> oh, okay. Sorry. go ahead show yeah let's see well, show and tell there are a lot of people out there who are fearful um of of you know, they, there's a lot of people out there saying that to have a beginning, we have to have an end. So that whole idea. But I don't know if you follow Aubrey Marcus. He's the one who took me into plant medicine, the idea of it. But he is a big fan of the Starhawk. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Have you read Starhawk? No, I have heard of it. Okay. Yeah. So this is yeah. utopian fiction. This is a great idea of what will come <laughs> if that ever happens for anybody out there who's slightly fearful. Did of, you read the whole thing? I just got it. Okay. Yeah. I just got it. And there's actually another book that I'd like to plug, if I may. Bart's, um, Bart's writing this one down. 
I know. This book is diamond. It's New Self, New World by Philip Shepard. And you can actually do a session with him on Skype. It's extremely affordable. And he will help you. So if you're familiar with Kundalini at all, Kundalini meditation, um, he will help you drop. So if I asked you, Dr. Bart, where your consciousness is, where would you think, where would you say it is? Where my consciousness is? Yeah. There's no wrong answer. No, I know. Um, I, I would say right here. Okay. So he would help you drop your consciousness down the serpent stairwell to the, to the pelvic bowl. And when you can drop your consciousness down there in meditation, the way the human hips come down, that is the chalice. Mm -hmm. So this book talks about embodiment, bringing your masculine feminine together, dropping your consciousness down. It's an amazing book. I highly recommend reading it. And yes, I have played read the whole book. <laughs> well, how much time do we have left? Uh, Four minutes. Four minutes. <clears throat> Actually, maybe three because I got my, my spiel at the end. Okay. So, uh, <laughs> so anyhow, yeah, I mean, it, it's... Um, what else do you want to share about yourself? You know, so that anybody mm -hmm. listening, I want to make sure that that people get to know you, and it's just wonderful. What? Look, no, thank you. That's that's sweet. I, <laughs> I, you know, I want to ask her this, Bart. Is is you know, hallucinogens can get you into a whole new world. They can. Doctor Timothy Leary said that. That's what I'm talking about with plant medicine. No, but I mean drugs, man. I mean, so do I do. <laughs> I'm not talking about like, you know, like a little trip to, you know, crazy land. I'm, these are these are natural, indigenous, very special plants, roots, barks. Well, give me one Amazon. like besides the stupid mushrooms, you know, I'm tired of mushrooms. Okay, so so ayahuasca. Ayahuasca is what um, I do when I go to ceremony and I sit with my shamans and we drink there's so much to this. This should have been like an hour ago conversation. DMT, which is in all of us, every living thing, is... Ayahuasca. I'm letting you go yeah, over time, oh Bart. Okay, this is good. I'm letting you go over time. <laughs> I was going to say, there's so much to this. I don't even know where to begin. <laughs> um, our body naturally has DMT, dimethotryptamine. I'm not saying that right, um, in it. and Dimethotryptamine. Thank you. When we, when we ingest it normally, we do not absorb it. So we need what would be considered like an AOI inhibitor. And I might be a little bit wrong on this. Please do not quote me. I'm learning this whole process. But so, yeah, thank you. Thank you. Um, so I'm so glad you're here for that. Now, now I have somebody that has my back. Um, so when these, they found it in a bark of a tree and the root of a plant. And when they brought them together, they make this brew or tea or medicine. And you drink it. And oh, now he's leaving. And you essentially, I can't believe you just ratted me out and then left me. You essentially um, experience Sorry. this level of, of, of divinity. You work with, uh, with grandmother, which is the spirit of ayahuasca, and you are able to do healing and gain awareness and really do, I don't know, gain levels of consciousness, levels of love. I don't know exactly what you would want to call it, but. I think, no, I, I think the best, best analogy, you know, to, to explain it, you know, for anyone that's kind of a reasonable explanation is that our whole world is energy. Everything is energy. Plants, animals, you know, the ground, stones, and everything else. And so there's that 
complete connection all the way around. And so just by ingesting these, these kind of medicines, you're also tapping into that energy, that connection. It's something we don't understand how it happens. I mean, this is a level of knowledge or awareness that we just don't have yet. We just know that it works. And so rather than thinking that this is a bad thing, this is nature, this is our reality. And to be able to tap more into what's real in the world, it's actually gonna, gonna, it's gonna benefit everyone. I, I couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more. And um, just to, to share really quick, and I know we're over My first ceremony, I was able to see the cosmic quilt. So the energy lines that are between you and I and that make up every single thing um, in all these colors. And you could literally turn it up or turn it down in sound and vibration and you could feel it. So it is us. It's, we're just, it's what connects us all. It was an incredible look. Well, I do want to wrap it up. Um, yeah. I just want to acknowledge you and, and what's great about, you know, meeting you is also your authenticity. And I think this is what really this platform is really all about. I mean, people may disagree with you and that's fine, but they can't disagree with the fact that you're really authentic. You believe what, what you're talking about, but also, you know, you're, you're allowing people to make their own choices. This is your truth and people can connect with you with your truth. You're not telling other people that this needs to be their truth. And that's the big distinction about you and I respect that, you know, totally. And so thank you for today. I know that you and I are going to have many more shows on Blab for sure. Yes. I look forward to building this community of, of awareness and anybody who wants to join in. So once again, I'm Dr. Bart Rademacher. Prescription for your transformation, hashtag real people, hashtag real conversations. And thank you for tapping into the intelligence. And until next time. Thanks for listening to Dr. Rademacher's Prescription for Transformation. Join Dr. Barton Rademacher live right here on Radio Star Worldwide each week or on demand 24-7.